Welcome back to Behind the Screens. I'm Simon Burton from Numero. I'm Ryan Preventure from Movio. And I'm Matthew Liebman from Vista Group. Gents, we've had a big weekend of box office and quite an incredible hold. We've got, of course, Super Mario Brothers uh, breaking records around the world, but some of the ones we've talked about in previous weeks, like Air and John Wick and Dungeons and Dragons, none of them dropped by more than 47% in the domestic market, and there have been a few new entrants as well. So why don't we jump straight into those titles? Um, I know it's going into week two, but I don't think we can avoid starting with uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, Berto, what, how's it traveling? What's the latest and, and what records has it broken? Yeah, lots, lots more, Matt. Um, past the $700 million mark today globally, which is a, a huge performance. Um, for, it'll be the first film in 2023 to, to pass the, the billion dollars at the global box office. Uh, it took another $102.5 million through 71 international markets this past weekend, uh, in addition to $92.5 million in the domestic market. Uh, the international gross of $102.5 million this past weekend was only a 22% drop from the, the record-breaking opening weekend. Uh, and on the domestic side, that's only a drop of 37%, so an incredibly strong hold for Super Mario Brothers all around the world this past weekend. Some other highlights this past weekend, John Wick 4 passed the $350 million mark globally, uh, $190 million of that international, $160 million from the domestic market. Dungeons & Dragons now sits at $157 million globally. Uh, new entry into the market this past weekend, the Pope's Exorcist uh, was in 51 markets, has an international cum of $27 million with another $9 million opening in the domestic market to be ranked number two in North America this past weekend for a global total of $36 million. Um, looking at some of the, the cum to dates for Super Mario Brothers, Mexico leading the way with 53 $4 million, UK in number two with $44 million, Germany nearly $30 million, France $21 million, and Australia rounding up the top five with $19.8 million. But turning our focus back to the new openers this past weekend, the Pope's Exorcist from Sony, as we said in the domestic market, $9.2 million from a tick under 3,200 screens. Uh, Ryan, what was the audience complexion for Pope's Exorcist? Well, the main one, as you would expect, was Pray for the Devil. And then actually, interestingly, we had Renfield. So there were some people that saw Renfield and saw Pope's Exorcist this weekend. We had 65 from a few weeks ago, John Wick Chapter 4, Knock at the Cabin Door, Screen 6, uh, Megan and the Nun. All of those really kind of fitting into that thriller category. We did a comparison for Pray for the Devil and... The frequency for these audiences were virtually the same with infrequent moviegoers being 28 to 26. So 28 for The Pope's Exorcist and 26 for Pray for the Devil. The occasionals were exactly the same at 31. Frequency was 33 for The Pope's Exorcist and 37% for Pray for the Devil. And the very frequency was 9% compared to 7% for Pray for the Devil. What was... What was interesting here um, was that the, I, I expected a little bit of an older audience to come out for this film, but it was really skewed across the board. Um, the 18 to 24s were 14% for The Pope's Exorcist, 23 to 34 were 21%, 34 to 
35 to 44 were 20% and 45 to 54 were 19%. So really it was evenly spread across a bunch of age ranges seeing this movie. In a way that's a good thing that hopefully that continues and the movie will have a solid hold. The gender was male 59 to 59%, which is a about what you'd expect for a horror thriller like this, but uh, reasonably good good numbers for this for this kind of movie. It, it's it's right in line with what you'd expect. I don't suppose there's any any when you look at the audience overlap in similar movies, any faith based titles, are there? No, I and I you know the the interesting is the movie is faith based. It is very very faith based. It's it's it, there's some of it in the Vatican. And there's a, just a lot of talk of, obviously, it's exorcism, so it's going to, to have some faith stuff. And it's pretty positive. I mean, not all of it, but, you know, it's saving this young boy's life. Uh, but there weren't, any, there weren't any audiences that sort of captured the same in terms of faith-based. Now, this is, this is strictly horror. Got it. And any do-it-yourself tips, because I have a teenage daughter, and, you know, um, every now and then I've wanted to do a couple of exorcisms myself. Uh, I, I wouldn't try that on your own, uh, just FYI, because I don't know what the laws are in New Zealand, but you probably don't want to do an exorcism on your own. But, you know, there's probably a bishop somewhere in New Zealand. You I've got to say, to sometimes I want to take the law and, and faith into my own hands. Um, I might have to put it on the list, take some notes. But there was another horror f- film this weekend, Ryan, um, one that, that might have had higher expectations than Russell Crowe's film but didn't come in quite as strongly. Um, why don't we start, Simon, with the box office for Renfield, and then we can see how the audience might have diverged between Renfield and The Pope's Exorcist. Yeah, coming in at fourth position this past weekend at the domestic box office, Renfield, 8.02 million from 3,375 screens, an additional $2.3 million from 46 international markets, getting the, the global cum to a tick over $10 million. And who came in and saw this one, uh, Ryan? Does, does it look like there was a tug of war between Pope's Exorcist and, and Renfield amongst the audience? Yeah, I, I wouldn't have put these films out the same weekend. I think there was there was a vying for the same audience. Uh, Knock at the Cabin appeared again. John Wick Chapter 4 appeared again. Scream 6 as well and 65. Some different ones were Shazam actually came up here. Uh, Violent Night from earlier in the year. Cocaine Bear and Dungeons and Dragons. We actually used Dungeons and Dragons because that the feel of that film was, it was the first one that came up in our comps. The feel kind of this idea of a, a different world playing in seemed to fit well. And what we found was that people who were going to the movies came to this film a lot more than those infrequents uh, than Dungeons and Dragons. What, so you had 17% of infrequent moviegoers seeing Renfield compared to the 33% for Dungeons and Dragons. Occasionals were 24% for Renfield compared to 35% for Dungeons and Dragons. But the one that was really interesting were the frequents, which was 46% of frequency uh, frequent moviegoers went to see Renfield compared to 28 for Dungeons and Dragons. So you do kind of see that people who went to go see this film are ones that have already come back. And this was just going to be maybe a part of their weekend movie going. And again, the frequent, the very frequency was much higher at 13% compared to 4% for Dungeons and Dragons, 13 for Renfield. But an interesting thing that I wanted to point out here was that 46% of the audience only bought one ticket for this film. 
So there's a wonder whether this was a group, two people going together was a, was a lot less, at least for the ticket purchasing. Uh, I'm not sure where that leads, but it was sort of interesting that, you know, there weren't as many couples in terms of the purchase buying going. going. 64% male uh, it was the same for Dungeons and Dragons. This just skewed a little, little more male this time. Yeah, I mean, um, it's one of those films where, again, there was a discrepancy between professional and audience reviews. Uh, not as extreme, but you're sitting at 59% for the professionals, currently sitting at 81% for the audience. So there is a discrepancy. But it feels like the Nick Cage uh, renaissance is more for social and memes maybe than box office, because despite the positive reviews here, we've talked about a somewhat soft box office. And then The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which I thought was a terrific film, ended up doing a lifetime domestic gross of, of $20 million. And so it seems to come with more of a buzz than people's willingness to show up and at least buy the, the tickets at the theater. Um, but hopefully it's got some legs and that word of mouth preserves. Um, you know, when you look at, at it compared to The Pope's Exorcist, the talk is that, that The Pope's Exorcist had a production budget of just $18 million. So on the way to a terrific return on investment, whereas the reported production cost for Renfield was about 65 mil. So it's going to have to um, find some stamina, um, you know, avoid garlic and the light to try and uh, earning box office for, for the weeks to come. Very good, Matt. So, I mean, I think um, given the holds that we've, we've had this last week, it's worth you whipping around and talking about some that have been in market for a little while and, and how they're holding. There were a couple of, of smaller uh, new entrants that might be worth just touching on briefly as well. Yeah. Um, Susan May coming in at number seven domestically this past weekend, taking $5 million, uh, another $6.3 million internationally. Um, its worldwide gross is now at $289 million um, since its initial release in November 22 across, across Asia with some huge results there. Um, passing the $100 million mark in China uh, specifically. In addition, we had Bo is Afraid from A24 um, sneaking on four screens this past weekend, taking $320,000 for a screen average of 80K uh, and going wide up next weekend. So it'd be good to see if, if A24 can uh, produce another hit there. Yeah, absolutely. And Ryan, looking forward to next week, what, what are we going to be talking about uh, from the release schedule? And then we can talk about where we're going to be speaking. Well, we got three films. We do have, as you said, Bo is Afraid expanding. And then we have Guy Ritchie's The Covenant uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal coming out for MGM. But I think the movie that we're really going to kind of see, and again, it's, uh, it's a product that we've got a couple of films in. Evil Dead Rises did really well at South by Southwest. So we'll see how that how that does on the, the big expansion, well, big expansion, the big opening this this coming weekend. So uh, we'll have a, we'll have some interesting things to talk about. Yeah, I can't even look at the trailer for Evil Dead Rise. When did Guy Ritchie become a name in front of the title of the movie? That's the one. We didn't have um, Guy Ritchie's name above Operation Fortune or The Gentleman. When, when did this become a thing? I think when The Covenant came, comes out. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Interesting. It's, we'll it's... see how it plays. But I think the, the biggest news, at least for the three of us, is we're going to have our first ever recording in the same room, in person, in Vegas, um, what are you looking forward to at CinemaCon other than the group hug that we will have uh, before and after our, our recording next week? I always look forward to seeing our exhibitor friends. Uh, it's one of the few times we get to see them in person and that's, that's great. And, and we have a lot to celebrate. We have a lot to look forward to. There's going to be some, some really good, 
product being shown across the week. So it should be a good week. Simon, what's topping your list? Ah, oh, hectic week. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, spending some time with our, our new group CEO, Stuart Dickinson. Uh, I know he's speaking before the, the Warner's slate on Tuesday morning. Um, so looking forward to, to that, getting to know him a little bit better. Yeah, and look, for me, not wanting to be um, too much of, of somebody doing a plug, but we've got something pretty exciting we'll be unveiling uh, specifically for the leadership of, of Cinema Exhibition. Uh, we're going to be doing that on the Monday night and there'll be more to come there, but it's nice to, to get on a plane with something you're excited to show people. So aside from seeing all our colleagues, our friends, and just uh, feeling the vibe of a, an industry that keeps resurging, uh, looking forward to seeing both you gents and uh, as many people who listen behind the screens as possible. Take care and travel safely. See you in Las Vegas. Can't wait. Bring it on. Movio and Numero are two of the businesses within the Vista Group, the world-leading provider of technology solutions to the global film industry. For more moviegoer insights, be sure to visit movio.co and follow Movio, Numero, and Vista Group on Twitter and LinkedIn. The Behind the Screens podcast is produced by Grace Furness and edited by Patrick Hanna.